Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, welcome to Sandals Church. I want to invite you back, but I want to start off today by thanking Pastor Alfredo. Let's give him a great hand. Uh, he did an amazing job last week. Um, I think every speaker's greatest fear is like, you're up, right? Like, you're up. And that's what happened last week. I, I got the COVID again. And so uh, I just called him and I said, here's my outline. Do the best you can. So he had just, just a couple of literally hours to prepare and he had to preach somebody else's message. And if you missed it, Go back and listen to his message on sacred space. Man, so many of us, we need to cultivate sacred space in our lives. So, you know, don't right now listen to what I'm going to say. But after this, go back and listen to Pastor Fredo's message. And it was so well received. And, and it just really spoke to me and my wife. And um, it was just an incredible, incredible message that we need to shift out of our secular space and the world in which we live that doesn't love God, doesn't know God, to creating these little sacred spaces and these sacred moments where we connect with God. And so today we're gonna to talk about another holy shift. We're gonna talk about how to change the way I see God. You see, most of you believe that you see God accurately. That's why we have so many religions in this world. The Muslim believes they see God accurately. The Buddhist believes they see God accurately. The Jew who rejects Jesus believes they see God accurately. But listen to me, Christians. So many Christians believe they see God accurately. And one of the things I wanna to challenge today is I wanna challenge you to let God shift the way you see him. C.S. Lewis says that the most dangerous prayer that can ever be prayed by a Christian is this. God, I pray not to who I think you are, but to who you know yourself to be. That's the prayer that will unleash God's power in your life. God, I'm not gonna limit you by my thoughts, but I'm gonna unleash your thoughts on my life. And so today we're gonna look at one of the most famous sermons ever preached in the history of Christianity. The Apostle Paul standing on Mars Hill, preaching to a bunch of Greek philosophers who don't believe in God and have their own understandings and ideas of God. But I just wanna pray for you today that no matter where you are, you would at least be curious about the God who is, the God who was, and the God who will always be. The God who defines himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Let him unleash who he is on your life, in your marriage, in your work, in your family today. So let's begin by praying. Heavenly Father, we pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Jesus, you came to this earth to tell us who your dad was. God, reveal us today who your father is, that we may know him that we could leave here today living in him, breathing in him, feeling him in every aspect of our life. Speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna begin in Acts 17, verses 22 through 28. And so we begin with Paul preaching. He's standing in the midst of the Aragopagus, right? He's standing there and he's, he's preaching and he says, men of Athens, he says, I perceive in every way that you are very religious. So many of us as Christians, as soon as we find out that one of our friends is religious, we just give up on them. Man, the Apostle Paul wants to speak the gospel to them. Don't give up on somebody just because they believe something else. 
believe that they need Jesus just like you do. So many of us, we just give up, right? The only people, so many of you, and I love you, God bless you, the only people you invite to church are Christians. I mean, that's great, but why don't we invite some non-Christians to church to say, hey, come and check this out. Come and see what God can do. He said, for as I passed along, I observed the objects of your worship. He said, I found an altar to th with this inscription, to the unknown God. He says, what therefore you worship as unknown, he says, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. He's saying this outside of the temple at Athens. For he is not served by human hands, as though he needed anything. Look, our God is not desperate. We are. He is not desperate. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and all the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. Listen to this. For in him we live and move and have our being. Man, I wish I could preach like that. Don't amen that. He said, Pastor, you're almost as good. No one's that good. That was good. He said, as, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, listen to this, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And he has given this assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is one of the most important sermons you will ever hear in your life. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to write this down and I want you to never forget this. Paul is preaching to people who do know not, they do not know God. They have never met God. They have never heard of God. Point number one, God is closer than I think. The lie of the devil is God has forsaken you. God has abandoned you. God does not care about you. That is a lie. The truth of God, he is closer than you think. And so many of you, man, you're struggling in your marriage and you feel abandoned by God. You feel unheard by God. He's closer than you think. Some of you are raising children and you're just aghast at the world in which our kids are coming into. And it's scary. And you feel, you feel alone in your parenting. Listen to me, God is closer than you think. Some of you are battling diseases. And unfortunately, COVID gets all the attention today, but there's still cancer. There's still leukemia. There's still car accidents and tragedy and you feel so alone right now, God is closer than you think. I remember years and years ago when I was diagnosed with a tumor on my throat. And many of you have heard this story many, many times. And I had to have surgery because they thought it was cancer. And Rick Warren emailed me this message. He said, God is with you. Learn whatever you can. And you know my response. I wanted to purpose-driven punch him in the face. But he was so right. And God was with me. And God is with you. 
Listen to what Paul says. He says, yet he is actually not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God is with you right now. He's with you right now. In him right now, even as a non-Christian, he is with you. The only reason you're living right now is God is with you. His life is in you. You do not have life within yourself. His life is in you. The Hebrew word for the spirit of God is ruach Elohim, the breath and wind of God. He breathed that into Adam and Eve and they, they became alive and he has breathed it into you and you are alive because of his breath. You woke up today because God is with you. You went to work today because God is with you. You came to church today because God is with you. You will go home today because God is with you. We are alive today because God is with you. I mean, anybody watch last week that explosion over Tonga? Anybody see that? Good God. I've never been so glad not to be Tongan in my life, amen? Whoa, it's incredible. It reminded all of us we are here by the grace of God. And the air farted and we were like, whoa, that was dangerous. It's just a little, little gas, that's all it was. 7.4 earthquake wrecked islands and changed lives forever. The presence of God, I want you to know this is beautiful. It's beautiful. A lot of you are pursuing beauty at the expense of the beauty of God. You fall in love with things, you fall in love with cars, you fall in love with people, ideas, images. The psalmist says this, the one thing I have asked of the Lord. Think about that, if you had one request, he said, one thing that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, listen to this, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Some of you men, you're in love with the beauty of a woman and you're missing out on the beauty that created that woman. That I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord forever. Years ago, I was out to breakfast with my brother and there was an older lady next to us and, and I don't know how old, but, but old and she was reading a romance novel. You seen those things? It's like got a guy with a dragon and he's got long, long hair and he's shirtless. She looked way too old to be reading stuff like that, but that's what she was reading. She just kept staring at me. My brother and I were trying to eat and it was uncomfortable. Like she was uncomfortably staring. And I finally thought, I said, do you go to Sandals Church? And she said, Sandals what? And she said, would you mind if I just gazed into your eyes for a moment? <laughs> Apparently women 75 and older, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. Let me tell you something, guys, as you get older, you just take it where you can get it. I was like, gaze away, gaze away. My, my wife's like, oh, brother. But some of us, we fail to see the beauty of God. Man, I know people watch from all over the world, but here in Southern California, we have the most beautiful sunsets. Every single night, it's a reminder of the beauty of God. You know that no sunset looks the same? Every single day, God impresses us with a new day with a new beauty. It's absolutely beautiful. Every single day, God is saying, you have no idea how, how many beautiful things I have ahead of you. But so many of us have chosen the beautiful creations and we've forgotten the beautiful creator. As your pastor, man, I've had, I've had the opportunity to be with people when babies are born, when couples get married, and I have the opportunity to be with you when so many of you die. 
And I got to tell you, not everybody dies well. I remember one guy in particular in our church, very, very wealthy, very, very powerful. Right before he died, you want to know the last thing that he wanted to show me? His new car that he never actually drove. How sad is it that the end of his life, his dream was a car rather than the God who wanted to drive him into all eternity. Such a miss, such a miss. I'm not kidding, he showed me that on a Sunday and he died on a Tuesday. Don't miss the beauty of God because you fell in love with the beauty of something else. Next, the presence of God is powerful. It is so powerful. Seek first the Lord and his strength and seek his presence continually. Some of you have never felt the presence of God in your life. Let me tell you something, it is addicting. And when you lose it, you will die without it. You want to feel it. You want to feel it. Man, a couple of months ago, I had surgery on my head. You know, I'm a surfer, a lot of skin cancer on the top of my head. Some of you think this is just a fashion statement. This is just skin cancer, and this is what, this is what we do to fix it. But they put me on some, some medication to, to help with the swelling after the surgery. And I tell you something, I couldn't feel God. The medication not only numbed my pain, but it numbed me from the presence of God. For the first time and the last time I can remember, do you know I preached a sermon? And when we got done, my wife lied to me. I love her, but she lied. She said, it was okay. The sermon was good. And I woke her up at one in the morning. I said, I just, I just couldn't feel God during that message. And she says, yeah, it wasn't your best. That's what she said at one in the morning. <laughs> she got real later. But listen to me, it terrified me to speak in the name of God and not feel him. You guys think you're the only ones who feel him when I speak. Oh, I got something else for you. We all feel him. The presence of God is powerful. And that's what the psalmist says. I, I, I want to experience that strength. I want to experience that power. We have no idea what the power of God can do. It allowed Jesus to not eat for 40 days. And when the devil tempted him, he said, I don't eat bread. He said, I'm feasting on the presence and power of God. The next thing I want you to know is the presence of God is absolute. Absolute. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. Man, you and I, right? Oh, I worship God on Monday, on, on Sunday. On Monday, I'm an agnostic, atheist, unbeliever. We are all over the place, amen? We are emotional wrecks. Aren't you glad God's not like you? God is a faithful parent, a faithful father. He will not abandon us even when we abandon him. We got so many families in our church and, um, you know, Tammy and I, are, we're empty nesters now and, and we're, we're getting used to that. And there's a lot of fun, but it's, it's, it's a lot different. But listen to me, parents, man, every parenting stage is, 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 is crazy. You know, zero to four, you're in hell, pray for it. You're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. Little terrorists running around. That's why God makes them cute so you don't kill them. And there's this beautiful window, like six to 12. It's magnificent. You're a hero. Everything you do is awesome. The greatest vacation ever. And then puberty comes in and it wrecks it all, right? When our oldest daughter, our first teenager, we, we didn't know what we were doing, right? We, and just tell your kids that. We don't know what we're doing. 
And your oldest kid, you're just practicing, man. We're going to make all our mistakes on you so the ones behind you have a better life. <laughs> and I was disciplining our oldest daughter, and she's an amazing woman. And I, and I said this. I said, Madison, there's nothing you could ever do that would make me not love you. And some of you remember this. Only a teenager can do this. Looked right at me and said, what if I don't love you? Amen? <laughs> Anybody feeling the power of God right now? But praise God, I felt the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke through me, and I said, Madison, my love for you is not dependent upon your love for me. I walked out of the bedroom and cried because she hurt me. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, and now you know how I feel about you. That'll preach. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm gonna blow your mind. Do you know we have absolutely no idea where this verse is in scripture? The author of Hebrews is quoting this. But whatever he's quoting from has been lost. Isn't that interesting? But the audience who read and heard Hebrews is all familiar with this teaching. Thank God for the author of Hebrews, because we, I mean, think about this verse. I will never leave you or forsake you. We need those words. We need those words. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have lost those words. Praise God, it's been preserved in the Christian text. We need that today. We need that today. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Two totally different words. Leaving is walking away from forsaking is turning their back on. You and I will probably never have a friend or anybody in our life who's like that, who can say these words, never. I will never. Man. God's love for you is more powerful than marriage. It's more powerful than your relationship with your kids. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You see, God is with me even when I can't see him. Some of you guys, I can't see God. That doesn't mean he can't see you. He's watching you. He sees you. Listen to me. God is holding me even when I can't feel him. Some of you can't feel God. You can't sense God. You don't understand religion yet. You don't understand Christianity yet. Listen to me. Just because you haven't embraced God doesn't mean he's not embracing you. Right now as I speak. You have no idea what God is protecting you from right now. Next thing you need to know is God is speaking even when I can't hear him. Some of you have never heard from the Lord. The problem is not God's voice. The problem is your heart. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You know what that means? Most of us don't, have, don't know God at all. We don't know God at all. Because let me tell you something. When you don't feel God, what you need to say is, God, you don't need to say you're not there. What you need to say, you need to be honest. You need to live out our vision. God, I don't know you. I don't know you. 
One of the funniest things about, about COVID has been so many people have never met me in person. So many thousands of people have watched me online. And, and the oddest thing about this is when people kind of recognize me. You know what I'm talking about? Like you guys, you, most of you probably know me and you would know it. But some people are like, and it's, it's awkward, it's weird. And here's the weirdest thing. Somebody said, hey, are you, are you that pastor of Sandals Church? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, nah, <laughs> nah. Who would lie about that? I don't know. <laughs> but what that means is they don't know me yet, do they? And some of you guys, God is right in front of you and you're like, nah, it's not you. It's not you. What it means is you don't know God at all. The next shift I want to challenge you to make is this, is, is God is different from what I think. When's the last time God blew your mind? Some of you guys, you've been in church your whole life. And you're just, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, amen, amen. When's the last time you went, whoa? Because that's what heaven's going to be. Every single day in eternity, we're going to wake up and go, whoa. whoa. You thought Tuesday was a whoa? Check out today. <laughs> whoa. Listen, he says, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I also found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. That word there in the Greek, agnos, where we get our word agnostic. So many young people today, oh, I think there's a God, but I don't know him. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he is. And I don't know if he cares about me. He does, he is, and he's here. He says, what you therefore worship as unknown, I proclaim this to you. Listen to me, guys. This is why we got to tell our friends about Jesus. If we don't proclaim him, they won't know him. They won't know him. So many Christians today, well, I'm just going to be a witness. Well, how are they going to figure it out? By your yoga vibe at work? Oh, wow. I think I need to give my life to Jesus. Why? I don't know. That person feels spiritual. <laughs> I mean, some of you, it's ridiculous. You've never shared your faith. How on earth are people gonna know unless they've, they've heard? They, they, they don't. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands. Listen to me, if you've been hurt or wounded by the church, and let me tell you something, I don't think there is an organization on earth that has worse press than a church, amen? I think, I think we have the worst press. But so many of you have been hurt and wounded. And I just want you to know that I'm sorry. But God does not exist in religion. He does not exist in temples. Tammy and I were watching the reconstruction of Notre Dame. It's a beautiful place, I've been there. But you know, I was sitting there and I, I was emotional. It's, it's, it's a beautiful place, but that's not where God lives. You know what God thinks is more beautiful than Notre Dame? You. He doesn't need Notre Dame. He needs you. He wants you. He doesn't need anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. When's the last time you opened your mind to the fact that you don't know God. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you 
could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't know why people always want to share their thoughts with me. You know, pastor, you know what I've thought? You know what I've always thought? I don't care. I don't care. You know what I think the church should be like? Unless your name is Paul, Peter, James, John, don't care. Love you, don't care. But everybody today's pontificating. Everybody's an expert. We get 19-year-olds on TikTok talking about why we don't need to gather as a church anymore. Oh, what, because you're so wise at 19? Seriously, I mean, TikTok religion has made it all about you. Listen to me, if it's all about you, it's nothing about Jesus. And if it's just you and your friends, then you're not with any Jesus's friends. Because you know who Jesus loved? The unlovable, the unlikable. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you opened your Bible and you said, God, where could I be wrong in my thinking about you? Where could I be wrong? You know, so many Christians, when they come to Sandals Church, it's not lost people that have a problem with Sandals. It's other Christians. They, they come from their church that hasn't grown, hasn't led somebody to Jesus in a decade, and they come here like, I have some thoughts about how Sandals could improve. Thank you. Please enlighten me. But one of the questions I always get is about this, the cross. Why, why aren't there crosses in all Sandals buildings? You see, you guys don't understand that there's 2,000 years of Christianity. Very few of them have this symbol as our symbol. Matter of fact, if you go to Boston and you look at all the pilgrims, the early graveyards, you will not see a cross anywhere in the graveyards. Do you know what it is? Skulls. For us, that feels demonic. Whoa. They thought this was demonic. This was a symbol of oppression. And when you go to the old graveyards, there are skulls believing in the resurrection, that they will rise, not a cross in the graveyard. Now, I don't have anything wrong with this. I wear it around my neck. But some of you are like, oh, where's the cross? If there's not a, there's not a physical cross, let me tell you something. America is full of churches with a physical cross and they don't preach the cross. You see, having a cross on your building doesn't, does not mean you've come to the cross. I posted a, a post over Christmas talking about why saying Merry Xmas is actually more Christian than us saying Merry Christmas. And I went through this whole reason. I went through the Greek. I went through the Latin. I posted it all. And somebody posted, I don't know who it was because they got zero followers, but they posted, I just think you're wrong. I'm like, with the evidence? Christos in Greek begins with the letter X. X. And we abbreviate things when they're titles of honor. Amen? Doctors, lawyers, right? Mr., Mrs. We abbreviate things that have titles of honor in them. Well, people are like, well, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree. I'm like, what, on the evidence? <laughs> have you ever asked yourself this question? Why on earth did the Jews miss Jesus? Why? because they were more into arguing with one another about their traditions than they were interested in the Messiah, the son of the almighty God who stood in front of them. 
Listen to Jesus, Matthew 15, 3. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? Some of you, I love you, but you love your traditions more than you love Jesus. You love your traditions more than you love Jesus. What we need to do is say, Jesus, teach me who you are. Teach me how to love you. We should all be on a quest to be obedient to God with the scriptures we have within the culture that we live. That's our calling. That's your calling. Instead of saying, God, I don't feel you, say this, God, I don't get you. And God's gonna say, I know. Listen to this, let me give you a revelation. That's what a revelation is. This is who I am. This is what I am. When's the last time God blew your mind with his mind? In him we live and move and breathe. He is not far from any of us. And oh, by the way, those verses that you call scripture that the apostle Paul is putting in Acts 17 aren't in the Bible. Those are Greek poets and Greek philosophers, pagan, non-Christian individuals who were right. And Paul quotes them and puts it in scripture. The next holy shift that we need to make is this, is in our understanding about God's character. I want you to know this, that God is better than we think. You have no idea. Some of, some of you, here's, here's, here's why your relationship with God is where it is. You doubt the goodness of God. You doubt the goodness of God. Some of you, you doubt the goodness of God because of your sexuality. You say, there's no way God would withhold this from me because this is so good. No, 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 you don't know what good is. I don't know what good is. Jesus is asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good. Let me tell you something. So many of the young people in our church, you don't believe the scriptures are good. You believe your professor is good. Let me tell you something. Your professor ain't good. They might be smart. They're not good. And I think one of the most painful experiences in life is when you realize just because someone's intelligent doesn't mean they're moral. God is good. He is supremely good. Listen to what Paul says. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Every single culture on earth that rises has an origin story. What happens every time we watch a Marvel comic? The first episode is always a what? An origin story. Where did they come from? How did they receive their superpowers? Rome had one, Greeks, Greece had one, the Babylonians had one, the Syrians had one, the Egyptians had one. Like every, every, every culture, every nation has an origin story. And here's what Paul is saying. You have an origin story that you've not read yet. You see, the Greeks thought they came from the soil. Paul said, you came from God. You came from God. Look at all the racial division in our culture. Look, look at all the issues that we face. Listen to what Paul is saying 2,000 years ago. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are all precious in his sight. God doesn't love you because you're Greek. 
or because you're Jew or because you're African or Asian. God loves you because God is love. Here's the message. God created everyone from one family. Now the church, we've not lived up to this, have we? We've, we've not. And I think the church has, has received a fair amount of criticism for its inability to recognize what the gospel message is. God loves all the nations of the world. God loves all the people of the world. But let me tell you something. It wasn't Christianity that gave rise to Nazi Germany. It was evolutionary theory. Hitler was not motivated by God. He was motivated by Darwin's theory of evolution. Think about that. Christians failed to live up to the call of God, but evolutionary theory says we're all just animals. God says, you're not an animal. You're my child. Next, God created places for people to thrive and live. I want you to think about your nose right now. Don't look at my nose. It's large. Did you know that your nose says a lot about where you come genetically? Isn't that interesting? So if you have a, a hooked nose, a nose that points down, it means that your ancestors probably came from a culture where there was lots of wind and sand. And so you needed a filter, you know? You were born with a muffler, amen? <laughs> if your nose looks like this, it means you came from a hot tropical climate, man. And God had to put you know, like a, like a big old air vent right on the front just so you could get, get all the air in because it was hot and you needed to cool off quick. Think about it. God created wherever he put you. He put your race, your ethnicity in a place where you could thrive. Why? Because God loves you. He loves you. You may not love your nose, but your nose says God loves you. If you're like me and it's full of hair, don't look too closely. It means you're from a cold climate and we need a filter to, to warm that air up before it goes in, man. So God put some shrubbery in there. Because he loves you. My wife's like, I don't love that hair, right? Isn't that amazing? God has created peoples in their own environment to thrive. So God created all people. God created places for your ethnic background. And you know, some of you are like, well, I don't know. My nose is kind of all those things. You're a mutt like me, right? You're just like a collection of all kinds of ethnicities, which is wonderful. It's beautiful. But next, God creates opportunities for people to find him. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Listen to these words. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. You know why we don't see the goodness of God? If you're like me, I tend to see the goodness of God through my experience, my personal experience, rather than seeing the goodness of God through the experience of Jesus on the cross. You know why we're miserable? Because we're looking at our suffering and we've forgotten the suffering of Jesus to bring us into a right relationship with God. And here's the last shift I want you to make today. The last shift is on the clarity of God. So many people today, I meet all the time. Well, who can know, right? Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's, you know, got their beliefs. You know, I just think it's good. You know, people say this all the time. Well, all roads lead to the same place. Try that any day. Just pick a road and go. It's gonna lead you to the same place. That's one of the dumbest things we say. 
Can you imagine you get on an airplane? Where are you going? I don't know. All, all, all computers lead to the same place. No, you want to know where you're going. And if you want to go to heaven, you need to know what God has to say about how to get there. Listen to me. There's, there's a lot of vagueness. And so many people are like, who can know? Well, I don't know. You know, everybody disagrees. You know, there's all kinds of opinions. There's all kinds of traditions. Let me tell you what God has been crystal clear on. God has been crystal clear about what matters most. We might worship different. Last week, Pastor Fredo talked about Sabbath. Some people worship on different days. Many Christians worship in different ways. Here's the one thing that all Christianity is united on. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And he wants you to know to have peace. Listen to what Paul says. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent of their sin. The days for you doing your own thing are over. The days of you going your own way are over. God commands everyone everywhere, whether you're from Africa, Asia, Europe, whether you're an Aborigine from, from Australia, God, the creator who made you, who designed you, is calling you to repent of your sins and return to him. And here's the thing you need to know, time is short. He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. You know what our world is now? Our world's problem right now is we are all self-righteous. We all think we are so good, so enlightened, so woke, so conservative, so whatever. And the reason you think you're so good is because you judge yourself by everyone else. God's not gonna judge you by everyone else. Listen, he's going to judge you by a man whom he has appointed. And he has given us the assurance of who that man was. You want to know why? By raising him from the dead. Just so, just so you know. That's fairly important, amen? Because there's a significant difference between Buddha, Muhammad, and so many of the other religious teachers on earth. Jesus substantiated his claims about the Son of God by coming back from the dead. And I want you to hear me today. You will be judged by one of two things on the day of judgment. You will be judged by the life of Jesus or you will be saved because of your faith in the death of Jesus. The choice is yours. And so many of us have a false sense of confidence because we're looking at everybody else. And that's not the standard. It's not the standard. I love to work out. I think I'm in decent shape. I'll admit it, from time to time, I give it a little look in the mirror, you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's not as impressive as it used to be, but you know, it still moves, you know, when I, when I move it. But man, there's a guy that every time I see him, he just blows my mind. He's the three-time Olympian champion right now. His name is Chris Bumstead. I would never take my shirt off in front of him. <laughs> Listen, his nickname is C-Bum. You wanna know what that is, guys? Because when your body is compared to his, you're bummed. That's why. <laughs> he's gorgeous, he's beautiful. My wife says he's gross, which I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, thank God, because we don't have that in our house. <laughs> but when he walks out as Mr. Olympia, 
other men who've trained their entire life stand in front of him and pose and lose. You are going to stand one day, guys, in front of Jesus and you're gonna pose and you're gonna lose. Ladies, you're gonna lose. And what's so sad is it didn't have to be that way. Here's, here's the tragedy of Jesus, is that he lived the life that we could all live. But he died the death none of us could die so he could save our souls. Here's the holy shift you need to make, and you need to make it right now. I don't know how much time you have. I don't know when Jesus is returning. But if you have not repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in the one whom God has chosen, the only way God will forgive your sins, this is God's choice, not my choice, is through his son, Jesus Christ. And you can argue with that. You could not like it. God don't care. This is how he's decided to save you. Don't miss out on eternity because of your pride or because of your ignorance. Repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because listen to me, he lived a life you can't live and he died the death you can't die to save your soul. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes right now. Let me just ask you, if today was your last day, if this was your last moment, are you ready to stand before God? Are you ready to pose next to Jesus? Are you ready to have your life measured and compared to the life of Jesus? If not, I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross, so you don't have to stand next to him, but you get to stand with him if you repent and believe. All you need to say right now is, God, I'm a sinner, and I want to be saved, and I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And from this moment on, I'm going to stop living for myself and I'm going to start living for you, Jesus. And if you said that prayer, if you meant that prayer, the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God who died for you is the God who just saved you. Let's pray right now together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for those who just got saved, Lord, and for those of us who are saved. Let us leave this place knowing that you are with us. Lord, we live in you, move in you, and breathe in you. You are never far from us. You will never leave us and you will never forsake us. Remind us today of that unchanging truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.